0: well we're all familiar with the great commission our lord told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and as we think about evangelism in the orthodox concept we want to talk today with father john david finley father john is from golita the santa barbara area of california we've had father john on before to talk about his book sacred meals And uh, so many of you are familiar with Father John. He is also a member of the board of the Antiochian Evangelism and Missions uh, Committee and uh, has a heart for evangelism. And Father John, welcome back to Ancient Faith Radio. I'm very happy to be here, John. When we think about evangelism and orthodoxy, many of us are coming from a background of evangelicalism. We have a certain model in our minds, uh, something akin to the four spiritual laws, where personal evangelism has us uh, talking to people about their, uh, their need for Christ and eventually getting to seal the deal with a prayer for uh, receiving Christ as their personal Savior. Now that we are orthodox, how are we to think about evangelism?
1: My first impression, my, my knee-jerkers reaction is the same way. <laughs> Let's keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, I think the difference is, and what we're probably going to talk about, is that there's more. Not that uh, what we as former evangelicals were doing, or are, are called to do, or the way that we understood the Great Commission, but that there's more to it. There's more. And, and I, I'd like to talk about the more. All right. Um uh and
0: isn't that so true in virtually every topic we, we discuss together related to the Orthodox faith? We're used to a minimalistic approach to the Gospel. Mm-hmm. And when we become Orthodox, this whole new world opens up to us, the fullness of the faith and His Church. And so it's not that the minimal was wrong in and of itself. It's that there is so much more. So let's let's talk about that. What is the more?
1: Well, I think the more is that we're called upon to live the life and to evangelize through example ever bit as much as we are through through word my dad uh who passed away a couple of years ago uh was a southern Baptist minister, and if he heard me say this, if he was sitting next to me right now and heard me say that we'd go well. Of course, John, you know, did did, did I not teach you that? We're supposed to do that, but we're supposed to live the life too? Yes, Dad, you know, and and he did, he did. Mm. But um, I, I think that what we're talking about is calling upon people to enter into a lifestyle that is centered around the life of the church, the liturgical life of the church, the uh, the mystery, the holy mysteries of, of the church. We sometimes refer to them as the sacraments of the church because this is how our life is sustained and and grows. And it, it's not about just simply praying a prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of my sins and, and save me although that's important. But, uh, you know, where do we go from that? I'm really not the expert on this. I'm more of a follower of men that I consider experts, men that uh, had formerly been in Campus Crusade for Christ. And this was the dilemma that they hit in the late 60s. They'd been very successful in Campus Crusade for life. They had started the body-life movement within the Campus uh, Crusade venue, they had come to the conclusion that, you know, we need church. The Bible talks about church. Mm -hmm. The name of the game is church. And are we doing that? And how well are we doing that? And they approached Bill Bright at that point, and he, I don't know if he misunderstood, or they just weren't quite on the same page, but, you know, his response was, I don't want to start another denomination. I know what God's called me to do. I'm doing it, and I'm going to keep doing it, and we're going to bring the gospel to the whole world through, through the campus communities. So if you guys go, want to go start another church, go ahead, but I'm going to, do, I'm going to keep hmm. doing what I'm doing. And they weren't interested in starting another denomination I mean, everybody by late sixties and early 70s, they they're sick of denominations. Yeah. I'm still sick of denominations. Mm-hmm. I hope that the Orthodox Church is not just another denomination. We need to look at what is the body of Christ, and how do we live this Christian life? And so this is this is the something more—the entering into the into the worship. You know, Father John, I think even though in evangelical
0: circles, a light is starting to come on uh, there as well. I recently heard a sermon by uh, John Piper, who is a rather famous evangelical pastor up in Minnesota, and he made the statement that salvation is not an inoculation, it's a way of life. Mm -hmm. And I think what has become, unfortunately, the norm in many evangelical circles is that you get the shot. And you get it done once and for all, and you don't have to worry about how you live or what you do with your life or any of the other commands of our Savior. You just basically do the transaction, and it's once and for all and uh, and i think we're starting to see uh, some hopeful signs uh, in evangelical circles that it's more than that and of course we know that it's much more than that uh, come into the fullness of christ's church and participate in the sacraments and be nourished by christ himself
1: and that's uh, that's what we talk about in the fullness of the faith sometimes we you know we get criticized for emphasizing that uh, we are brought into union with Christ through the waters of baptism, that uh, we receive the Holy Communion, the body and blood of the Lord for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. You know, it's like, it's just kind of magic. You go through this ritual and, mm. and you know, magically you're saved and you go to heaven, you know, and, and I don't like that. Well, isn't praying a prayer one time Lord Jesus, come into my life. I pray that prayer one time, and magically, I'm going to heaven. That's the beginning, you know, being born again. And all of us need to be born again. Everyone needs to be born again. But that's when we're born. That's when we start life. Mm -hmm. That's not the finish line. You know, I hear people who have grown up In the Orthodox Church. And they say, I was born Orthodox. No, you weren't. Nobody is born Orthodox. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And every person born into an Orthodox family has to be baptized. And you know know who can't be their sponsors? Their parents. Yeah. We are not Christians because of our nationality. We are not Christians because of our parents per se. But we are Christians because we have been born again through water and the Spirit. And we need the church and the body of the church and the community of the church to accomplish that.
0: It's been said in uh, both evangelical and orthodox circles that God has no grandchildren and each of us must be born anew uh, through the waters of baptism and then you know we see infants who are who are baptized and there is a church that has surrounded them and committing to raise that child up in the faith but then sadly we also see where years later Uh, There is no evidence of that. There is no participation in the church. And there is no renewal in in that life of their baptismal commitment. But that's not unlike uh, what we see in, in, uh, quote, salvation experiences with people who pray to prayer. Perhaps at four or five or seven years old, we help our children say, now, please understand, you're a sinner and you need to ask Jesus into your heart. And then we trust that that cared for it. And later on in life, when they're not walking as a Christian or involved in the faith of the church, there really is no difference there. We're looking for what do you believe now? What is your commitment to Christ now? Are you participating in his church?
1: I talked to a guy last night. uh, We had a public seminar here in the Chicago area on the Orthodox Christian faith. And he was asking me afterwards... Because I had mentioned that I had a Southern Baptist background, well, what about this you know the the scriptures teach us that you know we're saved by faith, you know by by the grace of God, don't you still believe that ephesians two eight and nine yeah, I said, well, of course i do he said well what what's this about baptism and I said, you know what and and he was com- he he was questioning our practice of infant baptism, sure. I said, you know that uh, that Baptist saved by faith, you know, by the grace of God. I look for that in an adult. I look for that before I'm going to baptize him. Have you accepted Jesus into your life? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you want Him to come and, and cleanse you and, and strengthen you and, and enable you to live the Christian life? Yes, I do. Okay, we're going to get baptized. Mm. All right, but with with a child. With an infant, I look for that faith in their sponsors on behalf of that child, and I look for that faith to emerge in that child over a period of time because that child who's baptized, when they come of age, they're going to have to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You know, it can't can't just be the faith of mommy and daddy anymore. It's got to be my own faith. But what we don't say is that they weren't saved before, Yeah. that they have embraced that salvation as their own.
0: Well, Often uh, the criticism is, well, how can they possibly understand the gospel as an infant, as if we could understand the gospel as Yeah, adults? how
1: well do I understand it right now? You know, I'm 52 years old, and I'm an archpriest in the church. I don't know how well I understand it. Mm. I keep scratching my head over it over stuff. I keep having these uh you know, forehead slapping experiences, <laughs> duh, you know, why why am I just now getting this now? So, you know, it's a it's a, a lifelong process.
0: We're talking with Father John David Finley. Father John is part of the Committee for uh, Missions and Evangelism in the Antiochian Church. And you have come on to uh, something that has been very effective working in communities in giving people information about orthodoxy, working through a local library and with an ad in a local newspaper. Uh, Describe what, what you do with that.
1: Well, I don't know. Uh I think schools still out on it in terms of how successful it's going to be, but I've tried it in uh four different locations and I'm ready to do it again. You know, I'm personally uh satisfied and excited with the results that we are getting from it and want to continue to do it and fine tune it. A lot of this has come out of my own frustration out of just being pigeonholed or, you know, boxed in, prejudged by people, mm-hmm. or having conversations with people that aren't really listening. You know, you, you get into the middle of a conversation, they say something, and you realize, you know what? They haven't been listening to yeah. a word I've said for the past 10 or 15 mm-hmm. minutes. So I decided to get some of these things out of the way on the front end through an ad. Number one is... People ask me a lot of times, so is your church is your church christ centered and of course that's an insult i mean that's an insult, but I just have to take the insult I mean Christ took insults we have to take insults, but are you know is your church christ centered well, the fact of the matter is a lot of churches aren't that's right. But they just assume because I have a clerical collar and a white tab on that mine's not. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to put right across the top of the ad, looking for a Christ-centered church. In other words, we are. Mm-hmm. I'm get that. I'm getting that one out of the way right right away. Okay, secondly, then we get four four bullet points in this little ad. It's about a three inch by three inch display. First bullet point we're not Jewish but we are Orthodox. Now the reason I say that is because I can remember I can remember talking to a guy had about twenty minute conversation with this man. He knew I was a priest. We talked about Christ, we talked about the Bible, we talked about the New Testament scriptures, we talked about church, history, split between Rome and Constantinople, you know all this stuff. Twenty minutes into the conversation, he says, "Now, Orthodox, is that Jewish?" <laughs> and I, Again, I just, not listening. You know, I, I I wanted to reach over and just you know kind of slap the guy a little. <laughs> he's like, "Are you listening? You know, give me a break. Look at my cross. You know, how many <laughs> Jews do you know that wear crosses around their neck?" Right. He's, he's not listening. Yeah. And so, the only you know when people hear the word Orthodox, they think you know. Well, that's Jewish because I've heard of of Orthodox Jews. No, we're Christians. We're Christians. I used to get excited when people said, "Are you a Roman Catholic priest?" No, I'm Orthodox. Oh, Orthodox. They kind of scratch their head. Is that kind of like Russian Orthodox or Greek Orthodox? And I'd get excited. I think, oh, they know who we are and. Then I discovered that five minutes later, they had asked me if it was Jewish. They'd asked me if I believe in Jesus Christ. They asked me if I read the Bible. And I began to realize that just because we say Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox, they don't know if I'm worshiping Zeus or Venus or Olympus or Joseph Stalin or what. Right. They have no clue.
0: Or you get the question, are you just Catholic without the Pope? I, right, I hear
1: that a lot. So I don't want to stop saying I'm Orthodox just because everybody thinks that's Jewish. Sure. you know they got to learn. Sure. All right. So then the next point is we're not Roman, but we are Catholic. Hmm. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of people just think, yeah, we're the Eastern version of Roman Catholicism or, or whatever, and they're just gonna that we're gonna be categorically dismissed. See, what I'm trying to do is prevent this categorical dismissal. So I've gotten to where I tell a lot of people, yes, I'm I'm Catholic, mm. but not Roman. Mm. And they give they give me a real confused look back. You know, like, is that possible? You know, it are are is that fair? Are you playing the ball game according to the rules? If you're Catholic, you're Roman. No, I'm not. But see, I don't want to capitulate the word Catholic, because Catholic is a good word. And it's become a bad word among evangelicals because of their, what my boss, Father Peter Gilquist, calls Romophobia. Right. Well, I don't want to be Roman. I'm, I'm not Roman. But when I say the creed in church, I say, and I believe in one holy catholic and apostolic church and most people know that the word catholic means according to the whole but they just don't want to use the word sure they don't want to use it i do i do nobody's going to take that word away from me so then the third bullet point we're not protestant but their bible came from us Hmm. now I guess probably if any of them a real jab, th- that one is. But, see, I get jabbed all the time. You know, here I am. I'm dressed like a priest. Everybody knows I'm a Christian priest. And they walk up to me and ask me if I believe in the Bible. Hmm. They ask me if I read the Bible. Do you believe in the infallibility of scriptures? Is the Bible your uh, uh, ultimate authority? You know, they're just pulling out all this, these litmus tests. You know, I, I hate it. Yeah, you know, probably everybody, you know, been to high school and uh, you know, gone to biology class and they experimented with this, or chemistry class and experimented with this litmus paper. You know, I feel like that so many people they're just pulling out their little tube of litmus paper, just you know, licking it, you know, being eh, you're out. Yeah. And, and, you know, on, on on every single thing. I get tired of it. It's it's rude. It's disrespectful. And so the fact of the matter is that Bible that so many evangelical Protestants hold near and dear, my church, and what I mean by that is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church of which I am a priest in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That's our Bible, hmm. and they got it from us. So finally, you know, the fourth bullet point on this is we're not denominational because we're pre-denominational. Because I could go through all of those things. Oh, well, you're Orthodox, you're Catholic, you know, Bible. You know what? I really don't believe in organized religion. Right. And, or, uh, you know, we're we're non-denominational. Well, I'm a baby boomer. I was a part of the whole movement of kicking out all the denominations, all the mainline Protestantism, Pulling out you know the tie-dye T-shirts and blue jeans and and sandals and pulling out my guitar and singing Jesus songs and, and hallelujah choruses. I know all about that. I was right in the big, fat middle of it, but I'll tell you what my fellow baby boomers can talk all they want about having escaped denominationalism into non-denominationalism. I don't believe it. Here 30 years later, you know, most of these churches are caught in a time warp. Their music is is 70s soft rock. Mm. That's what it is. Chuck Smith, and I have some degree of admiration for this man. Calvary Chapel in Costa Calvary Mesa. Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, California. You know what? He went after a target. He was after the surfers in Southern California. And he created a surfer church for these guys. And he created a language of the prayer for them. You know, the, the Lord we just really. You know, it seems like every prayer, you know, starts out with Lord we just really. And I'm not making fun of it, but I'm, I'm trying to point out where did it come from and who was the target and what was the purpose, you know, in a, a Hawaiian shirts. I see all these pastors of these mega churches wearing Hawaiian shirts. Well, where did that come from? You know, we said we didn't want a uniform for the pastor. We didn't want this, you know, three-piece suit or whatever it is. We got a uniform, Hawaiian shirt. All right, so how do we escape? How do we really and truly escape from denominationalism? We got to get back to the original. We got to get back to the original church. And I was introduced a pathway to get back there Mm. through embracing the Orthodox faith as it was defined by the ecumenical councils of the church in the 4th through the uh, 8th centuries. And by submitting my life to uh, the uh, church with these Orthodox bishops that are going to guard the truth, to be united to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church Of which we profess with the creed. And if I got to change in order to enter into the mainstream, I'm going to change to believe that which has been believed everywhere, always, and by all. The hermeneutic of St. Vincent of Lorenz universality, antiquity, consensus. That's how we interpret the Bible. That's how we come to believe what we believe. So we got to get back to the original and this is the only way in my opinion that we can become non-denominational we're talking with
0: father john david finley about orthodox evangelism and uh, one of the methods that uh, father john has been using of late is an ad in a local paper and the headline of the ad is looking for a christ centered church we're not jewish but we are orthodox we're not roman but we are catholic We're not Protestants, but their Bible came from us. We're not denominational because we are pre-denominational. And then, Father John, you invite them into a public setting.
1: What happens there at this library or public place? I give my personal testimony. Okay. That's pretty much it. And I go through this ad point by point. The presentation is not all that different from what our listeners are hearing right now. Hmm. And then, at the end, they are invited, if this sounds good to you, then I'd like to invite you on a spiritual journey that I believe will lead you to a place that you will call home. And as we often say in Orthodoxy, come
0: and see. Mm -hmm. Experience it for yourself. And uh, you may not understand everything that's going on, but uh, you will see something authentic and grounded in the history of 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 the church. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, and I know something that's on the minds of many of our listeners as they try to understand and embrace their responsibility to evangelize. And becoming Orthodox does not, in any stretch of the imagination, uh, eliminate our responsibility to evangelize. It's more important now than ever. We have something, we have the pearl of great price to share with our friends and our neighbors who are seeking, who are searching, some of whom are not Christians at all. And we need to uh, make the, uh, the faith that has been once delivered available to them in all of its fullness and take this very seriously. And others in evangelical circles or the mainline churches who are, who are searching for something authentic. Uh, there is, uh, again, a wonderful opportunity to display and to demonstrate the fullness of Christ's Church. Well, Father John, there may be a church that would like to do this in their local community, and we're going to make a copy of the ad that you placed in the uh, local paper in the Wheaton, Illinois area, available on our website, so they can at least see uh, how this church did it, a Holy Transfiguration Orthodox Church in uh, Warrenville, Illinois. But if a church would like to consider doing this, place a similar ad, and um, uh, learn more, would you be available to come and do one of these evangelism outreaches at their church? Certainly. All right, I'll tell you what, let's give people our email address here, and we'll be happy to direct you uh, to Father John and uh, discuss how this could work in your local Orthodox Church. Just email us at info at ancientfaithradio.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at ancientfaithradio.com. Ask about this ad and how your church can have an evangelism outreach in your community with Father John David Finley.
1: And we'll be happy to connect you. That's info at ancientfaithradio.com.